0: Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? And I kind of take that as that's not really a question. It's kind of like when somebody says something to us and we reply back, really? I think Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I just walked across the lake. I just raised somebody from the dead who's been dead four years and now, or four days and now, now because of what I said, you're believing. Uh, so I think there was a little bit behind Jesus, and if you really read into the scripture, Jesus did have a sense of humor, uh, and no one ever, no one ever got over on him to use words that we use here uh, in present day. Behold, an hour is coming that has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home. And to leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And this is my favorite scripture. And, and I encourage you when, when the world starts throwing things at you and you can't handle it, just read uh, 1633. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And there's two things in that I see. You know, when our kids come to us and they say, may I? and we say, yes, you can, that leaves them the option. Okay, I just gave you permission, but it's up to you make the move. So what Jesus is saying in there, I just gave you the option to have peace through everything that you go through. So it's up to you to either set back and, and let the world beat you down or rely on my peace. And then I'd much rather for Jesus to say, rather than overcome the world, he conquered the world. And we we have that same option, and the way we overcome the world is to go back to what he said, in me you may have peace. So that's my take on 16, 29 through 33. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the offer of peace, and thank you for your word, and thank you for your message, and Jesus, most importantly, thank you for the work that you did on the cross. Without that work that you did on the cross, we wouldn't be have access to the father to come to the father when when things aren't going the way we want but you know we can come to you and you always hear our prayers but we also need to come to you and give you thanks and i thank you for your son jesus christ i thank you for my salvation thank you for this church and just ask you to be with us today and this week go with us and help us remember the words and everything that neil's going to teach us today we just thank you and praise in jesus name amen
1: <laughs>
2: Let's sing in Christ alone together to open the service. In Christ
3: alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when things cease, my comforter, alone who took on am flesh
2: Continue worshiping this morning. We're singing just a closer walk with. something a little different real quick. We have one more song before the passage, but I'm going to ask Miss Joyce if she'll just play that chorus one more time. And as the choir makes their way down, I want to encourage you just to welcome the people next to you and speak to the people next to you. And just let's have a moment of our congregation fellowshipping together. It was nice to hear that much noise in the, in the sanctuary. Let's sing one more song together before our sermon. We're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love. Jesus, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much just allowing us to come into your house to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, God. Lord, thank you for giving us a church where love abounds and where we um, just welcome each other with open arms, God, and pray for each other and, and truly love each other, God. Lord, this morning, may we just um, feel your sweet, sweet presence in this place, and may we just abide in you, God, um, and may we take comfort and be filled with peace, God. As we dive into Isaiah 43 and, and are just reminded of the reasons that there's nothing in this world that we have to fear, God, because we always have you on our side. Amen. Lord, um, I pray that this morning we leave just longing for a closer walk with you, God, because that, that walk is provided for us because you've sent your son Christ, God, to die with us, uh, to die for us, God, and your Holy Spirit to reside within us, Lord. And if there's anyone who's not accepted that precious gift of salvation, We pray that this morning will be that morning for them, God. Lord, we thank you for our children's uh, church workers, and we pray for them as our kids go over there to learn, God. And we thank you for Bryson and his leadership in that ministry. And, Lord, we just pray that you have your way during this time of study. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Children are dismissed to Children's Church in the back.
1: All right, as we said earlier in announcements, age three and up today in Children's Church, and then next week we'll implement ages three through uh, second grade. So, grateful again for those involved in teaching our children. If you have your Bibles, as Catherine mentioned, Isaiah 43 is our passage today as we make our way through key passages in the book of Isaiah. This has already been an incredible. Uh, study for me personally because I've been able to work through some of the crucial and important passages in this wonderful book and today is no exception. Of course, all of God's word is profitable and uh, helpful and inspired and here we have again a, a verse and a chapter that is one of the most encouraging passages in all of scripture. Let me say in introducing it, that when I first began my ministry, what I would term full-time pastoral ministry, I wasn't that familiar with uh, this particular chapter. And one Wednesday night during our Wednesday evening Bible study, a young lady named Angie, uh, who at that time had been diagnosed with cancer and she was going through treatments for cancer, Uh, she shared with our group that there was a passage of Scripture that she was reading over and over every day as a personal encouragement to her during her time of struggle and testing. And this was the passage that Angie Dalton read to our Wednesday evening Bible study. And I thought to myself, those are some of the most encouraging and powerful and uplifting verses that I had ever read. So I never approached Isaiah 43 without remembering what she shared with our group that night. So my goal today is to preach this text and explain this text in such a way that you personally will, quote, wear out this particular passage and the other passages that, that, that it sheds light on and, and gives uh, the other passages in the New Testament begin to, to work back to this and, and empower this and detail this. But I hope and pray that this will encourage you because all of us deal with the issue that Isaiah addresses here, and, and that is fear. Fear. The title this morning is Do Not Fear. And there are some God-sized, God-centered reasons that Isaiah shares with us that we should not fear. So let's go into the text and then we will, we will expound it and explain it. Chapter 43, verse 1. But now, and I read it like that on purpose. Because chapter 42 ended with a promise that there was going to be a time of exile. That God's people had become spiritually blind. They had began to gravitate toward other idols. And because of that, God was going to discipline them. They were going to go through a time of difficulty and testing for their good. So in advance, he tells them that they are going to spend time in exile. But immediately following that, we have these wonderful verses in chapter 43. So... But now, in contrast, in shifting, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, your creator. And he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You're mine. And when Jeff Rood put that text on the, the sign out there earlier this week, Jeff checked, and he says that phrase, you are mine, does have an exclamation point at the end of it, all right? For emphasis, we are to exclaim that. We are to expound that. You are mine. When, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored, and I love you. I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east. I will gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back bring my sons from afar, bring my daughters from the ends of the earth. So it's very clear that God desires for his people to see him as their heavenly father. C.S. Lewis said, a Christian is someone who has God as their their father. Everyone, verse 7, who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed even whom I have made. Father, thank you for your words to us through the prophet Isaiah. We don't know exactly what your people were going through, but we know enough to know that they were concerned. They were tempted to be afraid. And we too, in our own circumstances and lives, know that you've told us repeatedly in what has been called the most repeated command of the Bible, not to be afraid. So show us this morning through Isaiah reasons you give that we should walk in trust and in faith and in confidence regardless of our circumstances. And for that, we need your grace. We need your spirit. We need your words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in all honesty, Uh, I preached Isaiah 43, 1 through 7 earlier this week at Carrollton Manor Nursing Home. And I know it sounds like every week this guy refers to, you know, a nursing home. But that's kind of beside the point. I polled the residents at the beginning of this, and I asked them out in the open, what are some of the things that you fear? What are some of the things that you fear? One lady raised her hand. She said, Lightning. All right, well, yep, that's a, that's a legitimate fear. I don't know the statistics, but that's, that's a possibility, isn't it? I don't know what the odds are inside a nursing home, but that, too, is beside the point. Another lady raised her hand, and she says, I'm fearful for my daughter's health. Fearful for my daughter's health, and she herself is in a nursing home. Those are the legitimate fears. What, what are the things in your heart and mind this morning that you are afraid of? I want you to spend some time just thinking through your, your heart and your mind. What are, what are your anxious thoughts? As Psalm 139 uh, describes. Lord, search me. Know me. Show me my anxious thoughts. I think all of us deal with anxiety and fear and distress. And there are many places we can go in the scriptures to help us compare what we are going through to God himself. I saw what I thought was a pretty good quote this past week. On a scale of zero to God, how big is your problem? You know, you go into hospital rooms and you see on a scale of one to ten... What is your pain level? On a scale of zero to God, how big is your problem? In in chapter 43, the first two words, but now, but now. Those two words remind me of the powerful words in the Gospels, but God. Yes, they were momentarily going to be exiled. Yes, they were momentarily going to be disciplined. But God always gives us a but now to encourage us and empower us to bring us through. God was rebuking Israel at the end of 42 for their blindness and their failure that would result in their captivity. But immediately after that, he says, but now, but now. So I want to give us three God-sized reasons this morning that we should not fear. That we should not be afraid. Number one, our Heavenly Father is speaking His Word. Our Heavenly Father is speaking His Word. God reminds and emphasizes in this passage, and especially in verse 1, who He is and who His people are in relationship to who He is. These are some very powerful terms that you and I need to remember and meditate on. We need, in comparison and in light of the fears that we have, the small truths that cause fear, God is giving us in verse 1 the bigger truths that call us to faith and to trust. All in verse 1 look, He is our Creator. He has formed us, he has redeemed us, he has called us by name, and he has claimed us. He says, you are mine. Those are God's words to you. And we could stop there and we could say, it ought to be enough just for him to tell us not to fear, that we would be empowered not to fear. Because my first question is, well, who is it telling me that everything's going to be okay? Who is it telling me that I don't need to worry? You and I need some thus says the Lord in our hearts and our minds and our souls to fight back against the anxiety and to fight back against the fretting. You and I need to know and remember that who is saying these things, who is speaking these things, Just in the reading of verses 1 through 7. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged just in the reading of these words. Because these words are living and they're powerful and they're true. And they don't just inform us, they give us the peace that we need. This is not just information. This is life-giving and peace-giving and confidence-building. You're created, you're formed, you're redeemed, you're called, you're claimed. Created and formed and redeemed and called and claimed. Let those truths transcend all the smaller things that you and I become anxious about on a regular basis. One of my go-to illustrations on this, and I've told you this story before, but years ago a little guy came to North Carolina to visit us from Franklin. And on the way up at some point, he was staying in our home over the weekend. They were doing a ministry there, the children's group from Franklin. and This little guy had lost his Game Boy. So he calls home to his dad. He says, Dad, i got a problem. I've misplaced my Game Boy. I'm not, I don't know where it's gone. And the dad says to him, son, don't worry. Don't bother anybody. It's going to be okay. We'll find it. We'll get you new. And I'm not sure what the dad said on the other end. But all I know is this this little boy hung up the phone. And he looked at my wife. And he looked at me. And he says, dad says not to worry. But we're going to do some worrying. (laughs) And it's almost as if. We have heard the creator of the universe say to us, after saying, I've created you, I've formed you, I've redeemed you, I've called you, I've claimed you, you're mine, don't be afraid. We have said, yeah, but yeah, God, but we're going to do some worrying. God commands us, as he did them, not to fear. Now let's think for just a moment, why is fear so dangerous? Fear is extremely dangerous. Uh, Even the Star Wars series told us that fear is the beginning of the path to what? The dark side. Okay? In college football, you can watch this every Saturday. In high school football, you can watch it every Friday night. A quarterback who begins to panic in the pocket will very quickly make what? Some very bad decisions. If he feels his security breaking down, he will make some very bad choices. Do you want us to know when our worst decisions have ever been made? Is when we felt pressure, when we felt afraid. And I've got a Bible verse con- confirming this. Psalm 37 eight says this. We've got other voices going on in the room. Let's all just stop and acknowledge. This is what you've got to do you got to get let God's voice drown out all the other voices all right that's an illustration in itself i'm not going to say where that came from but anyway all is forgiven <laughs> where were we oh here it is here it is psalm 37:8 do not fret it only leads to evil doing and you know that in your own life when I begin to get afraid and I start to fret and worry, that, that's when I throw the interceptions. That's when I make really bad decisions. So I must move on, but here's what I want to encourage us to do. Listen to God's word. His word is living and powerful and. Trans- Here is the truth. Here's the transcending truth that transcends all the daily things. That you and I are anxious about. What? Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough anxiety in and of itself. Your Heavenly Father knows you need these things. Don't worry about your food, your clothing. He will take care of you. Jesus is putting meat on the bones, and He's putting teeth to the truth that Isaiah is presenting hundreds of years before. Your heavenly Father loves you. He created you. He formed you. He redeemed you. He, he's, once you're in the Father's hands and you're His, no one or no thing can ever let you go. The Bible, God's Word, will calm your fears and give you confidence and strength in times of difficulty and distress. How well do you know what your father says about you? How well do you know what the shepherd says about his sheep? Again, I'm just introducing this so you'll get into the rest of the Bible, which is God's peace and God's strength and God's faith to you. Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Do not be afraid, thus says the Lord, our Heavenly Father is speaking His word. Moving on to point number two, God-sized reason number two. Our Heavenly Father not only is speaking, but He's working. And He's working His plan. Our Heavenly Father is at work. He sees you, He knows you, He sees and knows everything that's going on. And he says in this passage that verse 2, not if you pass through the waters, but what? When you pass through the waters. This is a fallen, dangerous, broken world. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that comes among you, the New Testament says. Look at his plan. Momentarily, the plan looks frightful. I mean, look at this. Waters and rivers and fire and flames. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. I mean, he just presents. This is what's coming. You're going to pass through the waters. You're going to work through the rivers. When you walk through the fire, God will say this far and no farther and the reason is in verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. He is our rescuer. And then he unfolds the second part of this. But the first thing we've got to realize is that God will appoint and allow difficulty for intentional purposes. Because there are times we start feeling a little bit invincible, self sufficient. Self-existent. You people are talking about God. Why do we need God? Well, we know why we need God. Because there are waters to go through. Rivers to go through. Fire to go through. These are terms and pictures of judgment. And God had a reason for this time of judgment and exile, and it was to humble them, to allow them to feel the weight of their sinfulness and their fallenness and their blindness. This was going to be a self-awareness check for them so that they would recognize that they had ventured away from God, desperately needed God, and that He would be their rescue and their Savior. Part of the plan is helping us come to terms with our own issues and our own sinfulness and our own weakness and fallenness hey, I got a wake-up call this week in the middle of the night. I'm at the age where I wake up during the middle of the night and go to the facilities. And I must have been really exhausted and really disoriented and really tired because when I made my way back to our bed, I eased back and I put my hands behind me and I was just going to roll over and fall back gently to sleep. Uh-uh. Smack. Really hard. On my backside. On the floor. Do you know how shocking it is to think that you're about to be held up and you hit the floor? I yelled, ah! <laughs> and then I said, I'm okay. I'll explain it all in the morning. And I I was six feet from the, from the end of the bed. I kid you not. This is a pretty good size room. I was six feet in front of the bed, on the floor. Now, Howard can vouch for this. When I told this at the nursing home, I have never had such a laughter applause. I mean, they, they loved it, didn't they, Howard? Because, uh, hey, they thought, hey, he's one of us, right? He's one of us. Check him in today. Check him in today. All right, take him in today. (laughs) Man, do you know what it's like to fall? To finally be confronted with your own depravity? God's people were going to go through something that was going to be very difficult and and very hard, but but that, that was all part of the plan. And so when you look at the second part of it, God reminds them he's holy. There's no unrighteousness in him. There's no shady character in him. He is holy, and he's their savior. So I've got to follow up the plan. First, realizing their depravity and their sinfulness and their blindness had led to this whole venture out into rivers and fires and and, and waters. But, But look, at this is so interesting. Okay, walk with me through these next two verses. I've given Egypt as your what? Your ransom. Cush and Seba look in your place. He tells them what he's going to do. Then he tells him why he's doing it. You're precious. You're honored. I love you. I will give other men in your place. Other people's in exchange for your life. When we come to Isaiah chapter 53, it's going to become crystal clear. But do you recognize in what God's plan was for them some of the terms that we use for salvation and rescue that come to us in Christ? Now, a temporary historical moment, God was going to allow. Let me read this, because I want to get this right, okay? In the, in the immediate context, if you're still with me, stay with me. God delivered Israel from some of Sennacherib's wrath, By allowing him to defeat the Egyptian army that included people from Egypt, Cush, and Seba. In exchange for their souls. So on a historical temporal context, God was going to allow some people to to die in order for his people to live. Does that sound at all familiar to another plan that, that unfolds through the course of the Bible? See, what God's plan ultimately is and was and is going to be is that God himself was going to give himself as a ransom in their place, in their place, in exchange because we are loved and honored and precious, Christ came As a sacrifice of atonement. And he was going to die not only for us, but instead of us. Here's my point. We have in Isaiah 43 a hinting to and a foreshadowing of what God was going to do for us through the atonement and through the cross of Christ. God gives his only begotten son in exchange for you and me. He was going to make him who knew no sin become sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God. I'm saying that as they pass through the rivers and the water and the fire. And God brings Israel through that. And exchanges people, substitutes people to keep the seed and the promise going. On a much larger scale and grander scale. Jesus Christ himself went through the water and the fire and the river of God's judgment in exchange for us so that you and I might be forgiven and so that we might live. Our Heavenly Father was working out an immediate plan along with working out a much larger plan to rescue and redeem His people from the judgment on sin that all of us deserve. Does that make gospel sense? So when you and I go through the waters and when we go through the rivers, we not only have Isaiah 43, we have John 3.16 that really puts some meat on the bones of Isaiah 43. And so we say to ourselves, I know that I'm honored. I know that I'm precious. I know that I'm loved. They knew that God was going to sacrifice some foreign, in, foreign enemies and nations for the sake of his people. Where, where's the justice and the righteousness and the fairness in that? Well, ultimately, you look at the cross and you ask, where's the justice, where's the righteousness, where's the fairness in that? Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if this was an encouragement to the people of Isaiah's day, how much more an encouragement for you and me? Through your river, and through your fire, and through your storm. God has always got a plan. And if you want to know how sincerely devoted he is to that plan, you go to the cross, and you say, if he did not withhold his son from us, how shall he not also freely with him give us everything? He has told us the means of deliverance. He's told us the reason for deliverance. And in Christ, we have the ultimate source of deliverance. What about those shepherds in Bethlehem? Man, when they saw those angels and they heard that announcement, the Bible says they were sore afraid. Well, what do the angels say? Do not be afraid. Because for you, in the city of David, has been born... A Savior who is Christ the Lord. God was zeroing in and pinpointing the target mark of his plan of redemption for his people. So that's why when we think through how God is working through his plan, we continue to trust and obey his words and his sovereign plans, knowing that it's for Our good and His glory. Trust and obey. Then the third point, here's the the last reason. Our Heavenly Father is exalting His name. He is exalting His name. And I get this from this wonderful promise. This is a... This is an end times promise. This is a culminating, glorifying, consummation promise. Look at the, the scope of this. He says, do not fear, I am with you. I am bringing offspring from the east, gathering from the west, saying to the north, give them up. To the south, don't hold them back. Bring my sons from way off afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, created for my glory. I've formed them. I've made them. This is a reference to the the broad, sweeping promise of God to have a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells with all of God's people gathered from all generations, from the four winds of the earth, reunited together forever with God. Jesus referenced... Dining with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a regathering of all God's people. He's reversing what happened through the fall in Eden. From Eden we became scattered and alienated and, and, and diversed and exiled. And so now we still deal with alienation. Now life is a lot like a, a order of hash browns at Waffle House. Scattered diced in all the different ways you can get it. Chopped. (laughs) Just trying to keep you with me. But God is going to bring his elect to glorify his name, to the praise of his name. We are created for his glory. And that may not mean much to you now. But if you ever get separated from someone you love, you'll begin to cry out for a regathering. Cry out for this reuniting. Cry out for this way home. And Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Let not your heart be troubled. I'm not going to leave you as aliens. I'll come to you. I will be with you. The Comforter will come to you. Jesus is unfolding, God's unfolding plan to bring everything back together as one in the true head and the true Lord who is Christ. And so I think on Thursday, was it Thursday? I went to see Joe Whittemore. He's in Woodstock in a care home there. And um, y'all all all say hey to Joe. He listens every week. Hey, Joe, we love you and miss you. Miss Miss Yvonne's on the... It was so good to see him. It's been a while since I've seen him. He's doing well. His mind's sharp. He's still doing some work with accounting from from the bed. But but then he reminded me of something. He says, on October the 3rd, that's going to be a tough day for me. And then it dawned on me that October the 3rd is going to be one year since Miss Judy passed. And his life hasn't been the same. But we had a time of prayer, and in our time of prayer, we were comforted by the truth that one day, though now we are separated, though now we are alienated, though now there's all this going on in the world, God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I have a plan. And the plan is going to glorify me and honor my name. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. The elect will be together in a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever. And, 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 And it's not far away. It's soon and very soon. We're going to meet the King. So don't be afraid. Joe, Neil, Larry, Barry, Chuck, Colleen, personalize that for every single one of us. Personalize this. Do not be afraid. Your Heavenly Father is speaking to you, so listen. Your Heavenly Father has a plan, so trust and obey. Your Heavenly Father ex- is exalting His name, so, so glorify Him through the storm. If you're tethered to Christ... He is going to bring you through the cross, through death, and you will be glorified with him. Live like this, the theologians say. As if Jesus Christ died yesterday, rose from the dead today, and is returning tomorrow. Do not be afraid. Father, thank you for your love for us, that you would communicate your heart, your will, your plan, even in a time of distress and sorrow and separation. Our glory is fading. Your glory is eternal. You will not let your glory be defeated or discarded or discouraged. So Lord, as long as we're listening and trusting and glorifying you, we know that you will bring us through the storm, through the waters, through death, through suffering, and we will one day be glorified with you and with your Son, Jesus Christ. This is the way of the cross. The life, suffering, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and glorification of Jesus is this way. This is the way we follow all the way home. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand and sing this hymn of invitation. The reason we are singing this is this song is this passage. Okay? If you have listened at all, let's sing this from the heart to God who is doing this in the lives of our children. You come forward as we sing. our time with. So grateful all of you here this morning. Hey, I will say this. I had several people say, I did not get your sermon notes. And like, I thought I sent them out. So to all of you who look for that and to the 50 people who, it was encouraging to know that there's that many people who care. I thought I sent them out yesterday, but I I, I was probably too busy watching Brock Bowers highlights that I just got all distracted. So my apologies for that. Um, Tonight at 6, Adult Bible Study, Youth, Children, and Choir at 5. Thank you, Catherine. Y'all have a great afternoon.
2: Let's sing the doxology together this morning. Praise God from
3: whom all blessings flow.
2: great week.